Good evening and welcome back to yet another episode of Third and Short Overtime. I actually counted, this is the 10th episode, so uh, we're into double figures tonight and this isn't the draft preview either, so we're doing well. We've got an intro now and everything, so things are looking up. Um, right, so last week we did, uh, well, first of all, let me introduce, fucking hell, I fucked up already. Let's, uh, let, let me introduce my uh, my co-host for this evening. To my left, I have Jordan. Uh, on the bottom left, we have the Geordie Preacher, Mark. And bottom right, we have uh, producer and uh, everything else extraordinaire, Bones. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Good to, good to see you all. So, last week we did uh, offensive breakout players. And uh, pretty good episode, I thought. Uh, TJ Hawkinson won the, uh, won the vote for the most likely to reach Pro Bowl this year. Um, so, that's, uh, that's a win for Mark. And for Bones, I guess, since it's his theme. Um, but tonight we're going to be we're going to be looking at the other side of the ball. We're going to be talking defensive breakout players, and um, there's some interesting guys to talk about tonight. Actually, intriguingly, looking at it, a lot of them are very uh, sort of like second and third year players. I think every single one is either second or third year. So these are guys that haven't been in the league too long, but we're looking to see take a massive step this year. Um, we'll start. We're not really going in order when we do these, so I'll start with the man to my left. Uh, I'm going to put you up first, Jordan. Uh, you've gone for Rashawn Gary at the Green Bay Packers. So, uh, so tell us what you're thinking about him. I think he's still muted. <laughs> Unmute myself there. It was a, it was a lot of swearing anyway. Um, thank you for putting me under pressure and all that. But yeah, it's um, Rashan Gary, um, third-year player for Green Bay Packers. Uh, if a lot of people watch Amazon All or Nothing, you'll re you'll remember him from the Michigan Wolverines did um, an episode. I think it was the 2017 season that they covered on All or Nothing, and he were one of the main guys. You know, you know, one of the main guys that they featured on that program, and they were he, <clears throat> defensive end playing for Michigan. You know, um, and they were you could see the talent that he had. You know, you know, it was unbelievable, you know, like powerhouse getting into the backfield. Just it was just it were like men against boys at times with him. You know, he just you could see his physical attributes were were off the charts. You know, in college, and he got drafted in um, 2019. Um, I think he was number 12. It might be 11, 11 or 12 pick for for the Packers in 2019. And I'm probably guilty as well. As a few people, I thought he was going to come into the league the way I saw him in college and absolutely steamroll it. But it probably, thinking about it now, it probably looking back, it, it was coming in as from a defensive end. He was going to switch into a three-four uh, at the Packers. You know, he was going to switch to an outside linebacker at the Packers. So thinking about it now, it, it was probably going to take him a few years to, to get to grips with the, um, the NFL. Really, you know, you could see his physical features were unbelievable, but it was just that difference in coming to the NFL, you know, like in how, how you set out your different schemes and stuff like that. And the first year was a decent year. We're not too many snaps. I think he only picked up about 20% of, of the snaps of the season. But you can see over the, over the over the over last year, his second year, he's picking up more snaps. He's getting to grips with the NFL now. He's getting to grips and what it's about, you know, you know, the, the phys physicality of defensive linemen, you know, now. And it just seems like it's clicking. And I think next year is going to be a massive year for him. I think, he, especially at the back end of last year, you saw a lot of his sacks came at the back end of 2020. And, you know, kind of, it's always going to be hard as well, you know, when you've got um, both Smiths playing there. You've got Preston Smith and 
I know Zadaria Smith, you know, like you're not always going to get into the game with, with them as well. You know, you, you're going to have limited snaps. But it just seems like it's clicking now. And this this is, is it, it came at the same time as um, offensive line back of coach. Um, I think um, I always get his first name wrong. It's Summit Smith, Smith again, which is lost. I think it's Michael Smith. I think he played for the Ravens and, and things like that. And he knows who the linebacker himself. He, he's really just, the, these two have come together and they're just, is working closely with him and it's just really clicking now and it's it's kind of like a not it's kind of like a sun you know like a five of sun feature he's got his arm around him he's taking his time with him and i think we're going to reap the benefit of like take sometimes people come into the league you know like and it's just instant you know especially when someone's picked so high you expect so much of them and i think we've talked about it on previous episodes where in the draft you get two or three players that are you get guaranteed starters, but some players it takes a it takes a few years just to 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 get pushed it all together. You know, they might have the physical attributes, you know, but it's understanding the game in the NFL. It's different to college, and I think Michael Smith really took his time with him, um, and it's really you can see the benefits reaping. And I'm expecting a really big year for him this year on this on this on this defence for the Packers, especially now, like, everything's coming together on the offence. You know, we don't have to worry about that anymore. But on this defence, you know, there is a new defensive coach there. Um, I think, uh, I forget his name, but I know they've got a new defensive coach there this year, and it was a surprise getting him. His name might come to me in a bit. I, can't, I don't know if any of you guys can remember. I can't remember off my head now. They've got a new defensive coach that's coordinator, sorry. So I don't, I, I can't see it being effect uh, being too much of an effect. They'll probably stick to the same same things that they're doing there because it's been working so well for him. And and I, I just I just expecting big things for him now. You know, like you're one of them players that just it just it just some players just it doesn't click straight away, and he needed time to, to get it all together. You know, and and I just think it's just hitting right now. I think his snaps went up to forty four percent, and you can and the Packers know it, it's it's coming and. I think there's a. I don't know if um, Bones Bones late me for saying this. There's a there's a couple of sacks on um, Stafford that he does last year. And he's just getting into that back and getting into the backfield. He's just an absolute freak of nature, you know. And it's just if he can get his, like I said, it's going to be hard to get more snaps. But I think he's pushing Preston Smith out a bit, you know. Now and I think this year you'll see a lot more of him. And um, cheers, Max. Joe Barry going back. Joe Barry's the new defensive coordinator. I didn't say that. And I just think that. It's, it's, I think it's just a big year for him, and I just watch this guy go to work this year. He's going to be phenomenal to watch. He's he's one of, he's, he is one of the best um, physical like uh, defenders I've seen. You know, I think he's six foot six foot five, two hundred seventy pounds. Just yeah, I, I, I must admit I fell in love with him for Michigan. I probably expected more, like I said, coming out, but I just think it's just it's just clicking now, and I think. I can't wait to see what he, what he brings to the table this year, and I think it's going to be his great. Well, it's obviously why I picked him. I think it's going to be his breakout year this year, for sure. Good stuff. I like that. I like that summary. I think that's a he's a player that I kind of followed going into that draft. I thought we might have been looking at him. Um, obviously, we, we ended up with uh, with uh, Bosa, so I mean, it kind of worked. But at the time, we were looking at pass rushes. He seemed like a really good one in that draft. I do think he was quite raw coming out of college, which I think is possibly what's contributed to his little bit slow start, maybe. But coming into year three, it feels very much like a prove-it year. I think it is for a lot of rookies, especially like high first-round guys. I think he'll do really well this year. Joe Barry, I, I don't know much about Joe Barry as a coach, but it'll be interesting to see what uh, what he brings to the Packers. The, 
defense has kind of let them down a few times. So if we can get a little bit more extra five percent out of them, it might make all the difference. You uh, you mentioned him having an impact in the Lions game last year. So let's go to our uh, resident Lions fan, uh, Bones. You'll obviously remember that, no doubt. Although I don't know if it stands out in amongst all the other games last year. But uh, have you seen much of, I guess you see him twice a year. Have you seen much of Rashad Gary? What do you reckon to him as a player? It's, I mean, Jordan made some good points. I think there's one that I do want to touch on. And it's, it, is, it is a different different beast where he's playing. Like now, realistically, when you think about it, you've come from come from a college level. You were playing defensive end. You're not only have you moved position, you've moved into the you've moved into the professional league. Like you moved to the outside linebacker, and obviously, as we talked about when we covered the north, um, the north divisions, like there is a lot of three four defenses in the north. So it is a lot of stop the run because it's a very run first kind of place. But yeah, I want, it's more of a general question than it is a specific one, I guess. But when it when it comes to the transition from college to the pros, like it, we've all seen that it can be quite hard. Like players at a college level are able to succeed through sheer athleticism alone. Like you said, sometimes it was like watching a man play against boys, and that is something that does happen in the college level. And then you see them move to the professionals, and everyone's that talented at the professional level. Everyone is that big at the professional level. Do you think that's something that? is especially harder for defensive players than it is offensive. Because we covered the offense last week, and it, I guess it extends to Mark as well, because he's quite college knowledgeable, like more so than I am anyway. Like, do you think that's a thing we, like, do you think that's a real thing that we see a lot? Like, is you come to the pros and you, you're going to struggle for a year, maybe two years, like, and that's when defensive players tend to come together. I think... I think learning defense, I think it's harder to come into the NFL and make an instant impact on defense. Because the game's rigged against defense now. You know, the way that penalties are in the game and the way that quarterbacks are protected and flags down the field. So if the game's rigged against defenses now. It's difficult to be a defender and to be able to play an actual game because you'll get flagged sometimes as well. You'll get away with more stuff in college than you will in the NFL. Not just that as well. The game's so much faster in the NFL. Like, I've always thought that it must be almost nearly impossible as a linebacker in college to be able to translate that to the NFL. You know, like, I think that's why we see players like Patrick Queen and the guy who came into um, the Chargers last year, Murray, you know, like, struggle. Whilst they hold up in the run game, they'll really struggle in the pass game. You know, I think, I mean, John John's a 49ers fan and Fred Warner wasn't what, what Fred Warner was in his first year. You know what I mean? It's it, it, it's so difficult being a linebacker in the modern game. You know, like, because you, 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 you're one minute you're going to be lining up against, you know, like, you could be the man who's lining up against Trevor Kel, uh, Tre, uh, Kelsey. You know what I mean? And then the, like, against, and, and then the next one, you're the guy who's taking Alvin Kamara out the backfield. And the way that offense is hiding the skies look so much now, it's not always telegraphed whether it's a run or whether it's a pass play. So whilst I think the transition from an offensive player to the NFL is easier, we saw that with C.D. Lamb, Justin Jefferson. We've seen running backs like Josh Jacobs come in and have a 1,000-yard season straight away. I do think it's more difficult on the defensive side of the ball to make an instant impact. Yeah, I think Something um, you didn't. Sorry, John. I was about to jump in and say, like, just real quickly, it's like, like Mark saying, coming from college, you know, 
I, I won't go too much into this because I feel like we want to do an episode on this in the future, you know, about um, techniques. And um, he does play as a six, seven, but he mainly plays a nine, and he didn't, he didn't really do that in college. You know, moving it, it might look like not far on a defensive line where you're moving, but there's so much more to do once you move to like somewhere from like a say a, a six seven technique to a nine it's, it's like coming from from a stand up to a to a, a, a hand in the dirt you know there's so much more different things you've got to learn if you haven't done these stuff in in in, um, in college when you come into the nfl so it's like touching on what mark said you know it's just these extra little things you know it's not just like oh you learn this and that's just easy to do it's so much process in your head you've got to remember to do all put it all into one thing when it comes to a football game and that's where sometimes it takes it takes a few years to to do that so to say yeah and, and one of the other one of the other things as well is that you can you can be kind of a one-move pass rusher in college. You can, you know, you can have the spin at a club or whatever, and you can beat your man. And to be honest, with the standard of some college teams' offensive lines, it isn't. I'm not saying it's not that hard, but it's easier than it is at the pros to do that. Once you come to the pros, even the worst NFL offensive tackles can defend against a guy that does one move for the entire game. You know, this is a thing that. A lot of young defensive players, I think, struggle with this. Having to refine the game and trying to find—you can't be a pure speed rusher. You can't be. You have to kind of have that mix of both. I think Rashawn Gary's got it though. He's a really good athlete, but he's also really strong. So I think I'm pretty much on board with Jordan there. I think we're going to see him take a big leap. And it's like Mark says as well. The the game slows down for you as you get further into the. Um, you know, as you get further into your career. So I'd be optimistic about him taking a step forward this year, definitely. I think it's a good uh, I think it's a good choice. Uh, Mark, I think you've got some thoughts on him as well. So let, let's go over to you. What have you got on Rashawn Gary? Well, first of all, I was disappointed with Rashawn Gary in college. I think I expected more out of him when he went to Michigan. In 2016, he was the number one recruit in the country coming out of high school, coming out of New Jersey, decided to go play for Michigan, and I don't think that was the best move for him. In Michigan, he didn't really have an awful lot of production. You know, like, if you look at the statistics in Michigan, he had a junior year where he got half a... Sorry, he had a freshman year. He started as a freshman, and he had half a sack. In his in his sophomore year, he had his best statistics, where he had five and a half sacks, and then he had a really poor junior year and decided to declare for the draft. He had three and a half sacks on his junior year and came into the draft early. He shone out in the combine, looked like looked like an athletic freak, but didn't have the production to back it up for Michigan. Had the tools, you could see flashes, never really had a production. He was drafted number 12 by the Green Bay Packers, which I thought was probably about 12 picks too high. I had him slotted in at the back of the round one. A lot of those issues, what he had coming out, remained for the first two years of, of, of his of his pro football like career, an inability to finish, an inability to hit the quarterback, an inability to disrupt players, an inability to, to, to constantly make pressure on the backfield. He turned it on in the playoffs of 2020. He had a good playoff run for Green Bay in 2020, and he had a decent end to the season. The truth of the matter is, is Green Bay need this guy to be good. They need him to be the sum of what his parts are, because they've got Zadarius Smith and they've got Preston Smith. Both of them are in the tail end of their careers. Now, Darius Smith's probably a better player still at this point than Preston Smith. And they're going to want to see Gary come in and make opposite Zadarius Smith his home. 
Now, I know he plays in a 3-4 in Green Bay. I thought when he came out of college, he might have been a 5-tech. He's a big lad. It's like 275 pounds, about six foot five as well. Maybe taller. I might, I might be robbing a few. I might be robbing a few inches off him. He, he has to get. He has to be more consistent. He has to be more consistent. I'm still not a big fan of him. If truth be told, I was worried that he would have ended up at the Raiders that year. Kind of felt like we dodged a bullet. Um, he's a different beast to Clay Fell. He's far more athletic than Clay Fell. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I think we I think we need to see him what we saw in the playoffs, and we need to see that more consistently. He's definitely got the makeup of an NFL pass rusher, whether that's handing the dirt or standing up. He's definitely got the athletic profile for it. He just needs to bring his production up to match that. Yeah, speaking of like um, like him in college, don't you think that his physique's changed? Obviously, he's still a big lad, but it feels like he's got more muscle on him than he has like extra poundage, should I say, you know, like, and I just feel like as well as that, all this stuff coming into NFL, you know, just, you know, just it just seems like he's. I, I know what you're saying. Like there is, he's. It's like there's a lot more meat on the bone there. He, he, there's a lot more that we should be expecting for him. And, and maybe next year, where if it's all just coming together, it, it 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 will it will it will benefit him all these things. But I know what you're saying. It, it is also on the other side of it. I'm expecting a breakout year. Green Bay do need it. You know, <laughs> I totally agree with you. Green Bay do need it, need it to come from him. Do you know what? I think the switch to Joe Barry might suit him. Joe Barry comes across from the earlier Rams. He was under Sean McVeigh. I know that they'll play a 3-4, uh, but I expect that to have some wrinkles. I expect us to see Ray Sean Gary with his hand in the dirt playing in a 4-3 front more often than in the 3-4 front, which I think will help him. Joe Barry's also a linebacker coach specialist. So if he does want him to play more in space, standing up as a stand-up pass rusher, that can only benefit him, that Joe Barry was a linebacker's coach at the LA Rams. So that move might actually help Sean Gary. I think we might see a few more 4-3 fronts, like we did in LA, like in, in LA. But I also think that when they are playing 3-4, we'll see him a bit better in space. I think those are all fair comments. I think, like, he, as like I said in my sort of response to John, he's extremely raw coming out of college. He shouldn't have been given all the, you know, given all the playing time he had. But I think there was a sense that he needed a fair bit of refinement. And uh, yeah, I think there's there's definitely enough there to like. And as you say, the Packers do really need something from him. The amount of defensive players they've drafted since the sort of like the era where they were getting guys like Claire Matthews, the amount of like defensive players they've drafted that haven't really panned out to be the force that they thought they would. I think he's he's got to come good, really. Otherwise, that'll be another reason for Aaron Rodgers to get pissed off. You know, this, this, is, this is the thing. It's like... It's all right not picking weapons to help it, but what they are picking isn't working. So that's where the issues start. So I think that pretty much sums up uh, Rashawn Gary. Let's go to let's go to the man down from Jordan. Let's go to Mark next. I know he wants to talk about Derek Brown. He absolutely fucking loves Derek Brown. So uh, and he loves the team he plays for as well. Probably more than his own franchise at this point. So uh, I'll turn it over to you, Mark. What you got, Derek Brown? Yeah, Derek Brown was just another in the long list of Carolina Panthers draft picks, which I absolutely loved. And I was a huge fan of him coming out of Auburn. I'm an Auburn fan. Um, and Derek Brown was one of our top recruits that year. 
play a defensive tackle. He's got really good defensive tackle size. It's about 318, 320 pounds, about six foot five. Good big horse, really good anchor. Was actually better in the run game in college, but still really disruptive as a pass rush. I could get into the backfield, or he wasn't going to be a sack merchant. And that's really what we saw in the NFL. When we look at his box scores, nothing too massive. You know, like he had 15 starts out of 16 games. So, you know, consistent, no injury. Played in the 16th game. It was just his rookie game. You know, like, so there was no injury there. He, was, he had a clean bill of health for 16 games. That's a plus for a rookie in today's game because they don't play that many games in college. You know, so he was still he was still able to get a full calendar of games in. He had 21 solo tackles. Nothing special there. Pretty standard. Pretty substandard, actually. And he had two sacks. In total, his combined tackles were about 34 tackles. So when you look at that as a test pack, you're like, well, what are you on about, Mark? Why do you love this guy so much? He doesn't look so good to me. So when you look at the stats that are think count, the stats that don't go into the box score, okay? He had uh, eight tackles for loss. He had four passes defensed. He had 12 QB hits. He had 19 QB pressures. So the difference between a QB pressure and a QB hit. QB pressure is when you're putting enough pressure on the quarterback to move him off his step or to hurry him into a throw. That's when picks happen. That's when take. That's when takeaways happen. A hit is when you make contact with the QB, either as or just after he's thrown the ball. doesn't come up as a sack, but it's pretty much as good as a sack. The thing I like is I like the four passes defensed. There's signs of J.J. Watt in there. You know, that, mean, that, that tells me that you're a penetrator in the backfield. That tells me that you're getting uphill, you're getting upfield quick. You know, you're not only just generating QB hits and QB pressures, you've got the awareness to bring yourself big at the right point and to make it harder for the quarterback to slot that ball through you and you'll defence the ball at the point of attack. A lot of what you'll do will not be shown in the box art. It's a good season for Derek Brown. will probably be about five sacks. You, um, the Raiders have just signed Gerald McCoy. You won't even have Gerald McCoy type box stat production. What he is, is he's a big body who can command double teams, who can penetrate and play one tech and three tech and be able to get up the field, stuff the run game, whilst also collapsing the pocket and putting pressure on the opposing quarterback. Pence's hits and stuff like that. There's reasons why I think he's going to have a breakout year. Um, his run grade for PFF was actually pretty poor, and that was the better side of his game. His, pass, his run grade was only 54, 54, 52, you know, run grade. His pass rushing grade was 72.5. Now, a lot of that was where he was playing. They had Kwame Short in there alongside him. He was put into a position where he was going to be the upfield penetrator. Short's now out of town. Derek Brown's the main man in the middle. I expect we'll see him a lot more at one tech and at three tech on pass rushing downs. That will suit Derek Brown more. Two other things as well. Brian Burns, who's just an absolutely fantastic player. Oh, I think it's already broken out, but I think will be a pro Bowl player this year and we'll see double-digit sacks from him this year. Having him on one side and Hassan Reddick, who was signed in free agency, means that there's no more or there's less double teams. 
Not that Derek Brown struggles against those teams, but there's less double teams that he'll face in the middle. You know, when you've got these two guys on the on the edge who can rush, Hassan Reddick got 12 and a half sacks last year. Burns got nine. He got eight the year before. He's going to make the jump to double digit sacks this year. He's tremendous. You know what I mean? It, 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 we're going to see Derek Brown, you know, feeling his way through now. And I think we're going to see a lot more production. I always feel that defensive tackle and defensive lineman takes a while to adjust to the NFL as well. We talk about particular position groups, which are hard to adapt to. And I think because of the stunts and the twists and the levels of better blocking that we see in the NFL, you know, like it's not very often in college game you come up against really good tackles or really good guards. Normally, the best guard is normally stuck out at tackle in the college game. And what we see is we see tackles kick inside the guard once they come to college. So, you know, like he's up against a lot better standard of player and he's had a chance to feel them out now. I just think... I just think he's an excellent player. I'm not going to say he's going to go pro ball this year, although it wouldn't surprise us. I just expect to see this jump from promising, maybe just above promising rookie season into this guy's going to be something special. I do think he'll have many, many pro balls in his career. I don't think he's ever going to be like Aaron Donald. Get your idea that Aaron Donald is the normal defensive tackle now out of your mind but i do think he is going to be a very very good defensive tackle in the nfl for many years i think that's a really good summary i know you're a big fan of his uh in that draft i think um i think he was one of those guys again a bit like sean gary who i was sitting there kind of thinking if he fell far enough because i think we we were at 14 we took kinlaw I didn't think he would fall to 14, but he's one of those guys that you have an eye on just in case. I thought he was a really good player coming out of college. Um, gone to a really good team. I think a developing team as well. I feel like his his stature, his fortunes are a bit tied to how good that team is because if teams are having to play from behind against the, Pan- uh, against the Panthers, it gives him more chance to show up You know, in the pass game. Obviously, the run game is a huge part of being a good defensive tackle, but it doesn't get you on the uh, doesn't get you on the highlight reel. Sacks, to, sacks do. So, I think it'd be interesting to see how he develops as that team develops. But I do think he's a really good player, uh, Jordan. I think you were a pretty big fan of his uh, coming out of college as well. What what are you thinking on uh, on Derek Brown? Um, yeah, I think um, yeah, just a couple of things that Mark said, which were just spot on. You know. Just to go a bit further, you know, like you said, double teams. I think you're one of the most double teamed defensive tackles in the NFL last year in his rookie year. And Mark's right to point out like these like stats, you know, that people want to put on paper. Sometimes, like if you look deep further into it, you know, like if someone's getting double teamed constantly, you give him opportunities for people outside you, you know, like to get to him. If that is part of football, you might not have the highlight wheels, you might not have the the key stats that people want to see, but you're making it a lot easier for people to get to the quarterback. And then if they, they them guys that keep getting to the quarterback, they might have to double, like especially like, like you said, um, Reddick's coming in. Then if they're getting to the quarterback, they might have to think about double teaming them, which gives you know, um, Brown, <laughs> maybe only one person time to go through. You can't double team everyone on the offensive line, you know what I mean? So you're going to give opportunities to, to these guys to get to them. And, and I just like, I know it's going a little bit off topic. I love what Carolina are doing with that defence. I absolutely love it. I can't wait to watch that next year, you know, go to work. And, but yeah, I think, I think, um, I think even if it 
the stats are shown on paper how how good um, Brown is. You know, I think what he does, if you look deeper into it, is just going to benefit his team in making him one of the best defenses in the NFL next season. That's a big call. <laughs> how far off being one of the top defenses do you think they are? I think they were pretty good last year. I think I'm right in saying, despite the fact the rest of the team didn't really hold it hold its own. Do you think they're pretty close to being that? Either of you, really. I know you're a big fan of this guy, Mark. Their pass rush. Their pass rush was good. Their defensive line was good. I thought their second-level defence was better when Chin played in linebacker primarily. Their secondary was tatters. It was absolute tatters, which is why they've, they, they got Horn, you know, yeah. in the first in the first round. And they've got Troy Pride Jr. there out in Notre Dame who played probably more football than they expected to. Getting Horn means that they can probably rely on Junior uh, Pride Jr. and Horn. They can put Jackson in the slot. And that secondary looks now a lot better now they've got a two-man cover corner. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, they're young. They're young, promising team. This Carolina team, it's hard to not get excited about them because they have got a lot of good young talent. And they've got a really good head coach in Matt Will. And they've got a really good offensive coordinator. You know what I mean? And I just I just think, you know, like the, the, the arrows pointing so up. They've got an ambitious owner. You know, they've got they've got the richest owner in the NFL, I think. I might be right in saying that. Um, you know, so they're gonna have they're gonna have the money to make a splash in free agency moving forward. And yeah, they're just an exciting team. And Derek Brown's one of those cogs. It Jordan's right, the stuff that this kid does really well will not show up on the box stats. He's man strong. He's proper run man strong. Good luck if you're gonna try and single team in the him in the middle. You know, like, he'll just power through you. He's going to demand double teams, which he did last year, which means that Hassan Reddick and Brian Burns are going to eat. And that doesn't show up in the box sets, but that's important. That's important in the NFL. <laughs> that's fair. I think those are all really good points. Sometimes, you know, the most impactful players aren't the ones you see getting the stats. I think he's he's got that about him where I think he could be that sort of player. Bones, when we talk to NFC South, I, I know Mark did the Panthers because he because he's they're a secret team. I think you were pretty positive on the Panthers as well. Um, so Derek Brown, what what you what are you thinking on Derek Brown? I mean, there's there's literally nothing to disagree with about what Mark just said about the Panthers for me. I think they've got a good looking team. I think Chin Chin was great to watch last year. I'm interested to see Horn play in this defense this year. I think I think this team's going places and I think they're good places. And I think, yeah, I think Brown's definitely part of that. I do I did my question though was because there was a brief mention of Bosa, um but and then the 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 not all defensive tackles are gonna be um Donald Donald Donald. Um who who would be your if if Derek Brown ends up being who we think he could be? Who's your comp for him? Who's like you, either current or recent player comp? Maybe they can be retired a couple of years, I guess, if there's an easier one there. But yeah, who's the comp? It's difficult because I don't think he's he's the NFL's moved a lot. So these days you can't just be a true nose, and he's not just a true nose. He definitely could. He definitely at college. I definitely thought he had a little bit of Casey Hampton about him. You know what I mean? I definitely thought he reminded us of Casey Hampton. You know, like Casey Hampton, you'll remember was the nose tackle for the um 
for the Pittsburgh Steelers back in their glory days. And Casey Hampton was shorter and stouter and a little bit heavier. But what he was as a nose is he was a nose that was able to get double teams and he was able to push the pocket, which is what I felt Derek Brown could do. I'm not saying he's Casey Hampton. He's not identical to him. But he's got some Casey Hampton traits when he plays at nose. But he's got the ability as well to play three-tech in a rush up the field in a three-tech position. You know what I mean? It's difficult. It's difficult to actually, you know, like comp players to players these days. But I think he's... I would probably say if I was going to say... I was having to pick a name on on who I feel he could be in the NFL. A guy who played for you, Burns, Dominican Sue. You know, as I feel, I feel that's... That's the kind of player he can be in his career, you know? That's not a bad comp to have. Just won a Super Bowl, didn't he? <laughs> I think that's a really good comparison. Um, if I was going to pick a, a current player, I actually thought he had a lot of similarities to DeForest Buckner as well. So Perhaps not in size, but I thought his impact, the way he played, his explosiveness, and maybe not getting the stats he deserves. I think there's a lot of similarities there. I think he's... Uh, I think Derek Brown's a really good player. I'm... I'm Quite looking forward to seeing him take the next step uh, this year, see how he gets on. Okay, so I'm going to move from Derek Brown, and I'm going to go next because I'm going to take another defensive tackle. Um, number three pick in the 2019 draft, Quinnen Williams, uh, who's at the New York Jets. Now, it's probably a little odd to pick a number three overall pick as a potential breakout player. It's kind of like... Captain Obvious, I suppose. But he hasn't had the easiest start to his career. I mean, for a start, he got drafted by the Jets. That's that's never a good thing. But um, And obviously, they've been historically bad the last two years. I think he's just starting to show his potential. You start looking at what he was able to do last season. He hasn't been, you know, he hasn't been brilliant. He wasn't brilliant in his rookie year. Let, let's get that out of the way, first and foremost. We've already talked about the fact that it's not particularly easy to be you know, a rookie defensive tackle. And it's certainly not easy to be it when you're on a bad team. I don't think he was even starting for some of that season. He only started um, he only started nine games, I think, in his rookie season, which is quite a low number, really, for a guy drafted so high. And obviously, when you look at some of the people drafted around him, it wasn't perhaps wasn't the impact they were looking for. But I thought he took a really big stride forward last year. He ended up with seven sacks. Uh, PFF absolutely loved him. as Adam was a top-ten player. Um, apart from against the run, he was 17th against the run. So that's something that I think we'll need to see improve. But his pass rush was certainly getting up there. You look at his pass rush grade for the last season and obviously with seven sacks as well. I thought he uh, I thought he was a bright spot on a very bad team. I seem to remember having a pretty good game um, mid-season, possibly against the Raiders. I think the game where they got quite close to, uh, close to stealing a win until Greg Williams called the cover nobody these runs. Um, I, I thought he was I thought he was pretty good in that game. That was probably the most I'd seen him last year, but I seen him pop up on a few, you know, Jets highlights here and there, such as they were. But in terms of taking a step forward going into year three, I think there's a couple of big things in his favour. Um number one um is the new head coach, obviously Robert Sala coming over from the 49ers. Um I know all about Robert Seller. I've had some issues with him, as anybody who's been in the group chat will know. Hang on. Mark's telling me he was at the Giants. That's not the same guy. <laughs> That's, um, I don't know who you're thinking of, but this is definitely a Jets guy. Trust me. Um, yeah, the, the big thing for me, Seller coming over from the, um, 
from the 49ers. Obviously, I know all about him. Anybody who's been in the group chats will know that I wasn't always on his bandwagon, but he did produce a top-quality defensive line two years in a row. And um, he's been he's been an interesting guy, um, Salah, really, in terms of what he's been able to get out of previously underachieving defensive linemen. So when you look at what he did when he came into the 49ers, we drafted a number of people quite high for the D-line. Um, one in particular that I could think of is Eric Armstead, who was the subject of like trade rumors and such like before Salah came in. He then had his biggest season. Now he's on a long-term contract. We know what he's done with Nick Bosa um, and also DeForest Buckner as well, though he's now a cult. He became a much better player under Salah. And I think that's what we're going to see from the Jets. If they're going to see one thing this year, I think it will be an improved defense. I don't know if the offense will go at the same speed because Zach Wilson, obviously... Is a rookie. We don't know how good he is. We don't know, you know, we don't know how good he's going to be yet. But I think the defense will take a big step forward. And I think Quinn and Williams is going to be a big, big part of that. Um, he's also now got Carl Lawson playing next to him, which is probably one of the more underrated defensive linemen in the league. And I think that combination could see a lot of blocking, um, you know, a lot of blocking being taken away from him. We talked about the double teams earlier. Obviously, if you're a dominant player, double teams is not a massive thing. But I think it can obviously it helps if you're not being double teamed. Um, and I think you've perhaps suffering even last year from being one of the few talented players on that defense, certainly on the defensive line. One thing you can be sure of is that's going to improve, um, you know, going into the season. They also got guys like Ronald Blair coming in, who, while they're not necessarily known names, are solid rushers and will give offenses something to account for. So I don't know. I see. I see Quinn and Williams taking a big step forward. How big? I don't know. It's difficult to be a dominant defensive tackle. It's difficult to. A lot of the sacks now come from the edge players. You know, the, these the guys like Bosa and people like that, and even people like Gary to a certain extent, who we talked about earlier. But I think there's a real potential for that defense to go from whatever. It was, I would imagine it was ranked pretty low last year. I don't have the stats to hand, but I don't think it was. I don't think it was considered one of the better units. I think it will probably jump to the middle slash top of the defenses this year. Whether the offense can follow it, what Salah's like as a head coach, we don't know any answers to that yet. But I do think the defense will be massively improved, and I think he will be the biggest part of that. Him and Carl Lawson, I think, could have a really good year between them. So yeah, I, I've I've kind of been on this bandwagon. There was some talk back in. 2019 that we were potentially going to take him instead of Bosa. I wouldn't have been happy if we'd done that, but I think he's going to become a really good NFL player, and I think it starts this year for him. Mark, I think you've got some comments now. We've figured out which Williams it is I'm talking about. So uh, so, what, so, what have you got for me, Mark? Go on. Yeah, I thought you were talking about Leonard Williams, and I'm like, he's not a fucking jet. He's a giant. I was like, Tom's going to be in the comments going mad. I was like, I, I was, I was adamant you were talking about Leonard Williams when you started off talking about him because Quinn and Williams for me has already had a bit of a breakout. So I was kind of like, I'm kind of like, so that's what, that's what throws a little bit. Quinn and Williams is a very good player. We've got to remember, I think when you're playing defensive tackle, is as we said before, it's a strong man's game. You know, it's a man's game in the trenches. And when Williams came out of Bama, he was 20 years old. He's one of the youngest players in the draft that year. He's now 23. And I think what we're seeing is we're seeing a young man become a man. He's getting that man-like strength, what we were talking about with Derek Brown. You know what I mean, though? They're, they're the same age. They're the same age. You know what I mean, though? 
You know, Derek Brown came out with yeah, but they're the same age. They're both 23 years of age. So he's got that man-like physique now, which an NFL strength program gives you. Um, yeah, he, you've got to remember as well, when he's out of Bama, he came out of nowhere that year and arguably went into the draft on the back of having that amazing season for Bama, where he was just wrecking players in the backfield. You know what I mean? It was possible. People did say at the time, this could be a year early. Even though he was at some point slated to be the number one pick, there was enough concern about him coming out. And there was a little bit of talk that people were saying, maybe he could have went back to college, maybe he could have got stronger, but it's, they didn't blame him for leaving on that production. I think it's just hard as a 20-year-old to play on the in defensive tackle in the NFL. And I think part of it is because he's now 23 and he's just filled out. He's He's got the strength, you know? Yeah, I agree. I think it's it's, it's a tough thing to come into if, you, you know, if you're that young. And you're absolutely right. He was a very late sort of riser on people's draft boards. I think as a lot of the Bama team were and generally are because they start showing up in the big games towards the end of the season. Everybody thinks they've got the evaluation slightly wrong. Um, so, yeah, I think you're right. And, and you're right, he was in the discussion for the number one pick. He was in discussion for any of the top three. Um, and he ended up going third and probably, arguably, if he'd gone to either of the other teams, he might have had an easier start to life in the NFL. It's just one of them things, unfortunately, you landed a bit of a situation. You kind of, you know, you have to make the best of it. He's, he, like I say, he had an average rookie season. I think average is probably being kind, actually, looking at his stats. But, like, the, his second season, that last season, I thought he was really, really good. And um, with a more, and as you say, it's, it's partly, you might have had a breakout already. It's, it's, difficult to, it's difficult to quantify that sometimes. But I do think there's another level for him to get to, that sort of average. He's, he's had the Aaron Donald comparison, which seems mad to me because there's no similarity whatsoever in physique. I don't know where that one's come from. Uh, I think statistically, kind of, you know, maybe in PFF and grades like that, he might bear out as that sort of player. He's certainly not that that physique of player, though. I think I think it's because he's a true three tech. This kid, he's not like we talked about Derek Brown before, who can be a one tech, three tech. Quinn and Williams is a true three tech. And I think if you're three tech in the NFL today, you're going to get compared. To Donald, right? I mean, for the next for the next fifty years, if you're three tech coming into the NFL, you're going to be compared to Aaron, uh, Donald. The probably yeah. probably for me already in his career, the greatest defensive player that the NFL's ever seen, and probably a player who's already changed the position of defensive tackle. You know, like I don't think we've ever seen defensive tackle like Donald. You know. No, it's mad to think about as well, because he went quite low in that draft, and people yeah, say it's oh, he could be undersized and all this kind of thing. And now everybody seems to look for that type of player every year. And as you say, that's the comparison now. That's the ceiling. I don't know if Quinn and Williams could get to that level, but if he gets close to it, it'll make it. It'll make the Jets a much better team. And if he's going to do it, he's in the perfect defense to do it. This is a defense that, to be honest, doesn't seem to care about stopping the run a lot of the time on the defensive line. They they go after quarterbacks. That's that's what Salah does. That's what Salah gets his teams to do. So really excited to. See. I'm actually quite looking forward to seeing that Jets team full stop. I don't know how good they'll be, but they'll certainly be more entertaining than they've been in the last two years. I think there's some uh, there's some big players in that defense. Definitely. What about you, Jordan? Did you what did you reckon to Quinn and Williams coming out of the draft? Did you think he was did you think he was a good player? Did you think he was worthy of where he got took? I know there was some debate over that at the time. Yeah, I thought um I thought he was a good player. I don't think he ever, I don't think he, he blew me away and stuff, but I thought he were, he were a good player. But 
look, I, I agree. Like, um, it's like the last year and stuff, he really stepped up his game. You know, he, he were he were he were brilliant. You're know, like, um, like you, I can't remember what you said. Mentioned, well, I think it was like seven or eight sacks he got from inside. He really it was such a bully in that in that run game. But just to play, because we all we always don't like to. It's nice not to agree with certain people. I'm not disagreeing with you, John. I'm just playing devil's advocate a bit and thinking. I'm looking at Salah. I, I don't doubt it. Like you, you'll know more than me, but I thought he was fantastic at the 49ers. You, like I said, you watch more games than me. But he had a good defense to work with there. He's coming over to the Jets now. You know, like I know he's the head coach, he's not the defense coordinator, but and he'll have some saying. Wait, you could. It might be a little bit of a fall off with Quinn Williams. You know, if it doesn't all go to plan. You know, it's like I say, it's a, it's a. If you put them two defenses up together, you know which one you're picking, don't you? You know, with the one, the 49ers one. So, like I say, I'm not saying that he's not going to have a breakout season, but you could look at it the other way and think, is there going to be some teething problems there where it just doesn't click straight away and there could be a bit of a fall off before it gets better? It's an interesting question because I think if if somebody like Salah had loved uh, Quinn and Williams, then perhaps we would have drafted him. Um, I think, though, that the, the, the only thing I would say, people, and I'm one of the last people to give Salah credit as anybody who's been in the group chats will know. I think he's a good defensive coordinator, but I do think there are flaws to him. But having said that, I think people forget the team that he took over when were not good on defence. And even in his first season, they weren't great. What he was able to do was get more out of guys that should have been better players. I, I always go back to the Armstead example. I would have driven him out of San Francisco when when you know when Salah got there. Um and now he's probably one of our best defensive players. Um Buckner, yeah, Buckner was showing signs of being that player and obviously we traded him anyway. But like, you know, I think I think he got more out of what was there. I'm not saying that what was there wasn't talented, but I think he got more out of it. I'm kind of banking on him doing the same here. I'm not saying it's a definite. I don't think it is because, as you say, anytime the coach changes and the scheme changes, you don't know how players are going to react. But I'm going to put some faith and some stock in that, um, and just you know, and just hope he can push him to the next level because I think if he does, I think he'll be. Uh, he could be a seriously top player. Bones, I know you've got some comments, so let's get, let's go. What have you got? I I actually don't think that Jordan's playing all that much devil's advocate on this one. I actually think there's there's a fair point in what Jordan said here for the Jets, especially moving over to Salah's defense because they're coming from a three four. Like Greg Williams' defense was a three four. It was traditionally quite blitz heavy. Like that that's what they played, and this is going to be. A transition to a four-three defense. They signed someone in the off in the off season, uh, Carl Lawson, didn't they? They signed Carl Lawson to play um, defensive tackle uh, in the line as well. And I'm just wondering if you know that that's never that's not going to be an easy transition. Converting a whole defense from three-four to four-three, especially one that lacks um, decent what decent four-three outside linebackers. Like they have three four outside linebackers but they don't have necessarily i think i wonder if that overall maybe will hurt is protect like i think he's got I, th- I think you're right in the the player potential is there i just wonder if this is going to be the year where he peaks or if it'll be the year after once salah's scheme beds in a bit more if that makes sense because it is going to be a transition yeah, I think that's a really good point. I mean, as I said just then, that obviously the first year under Salah with us, we weren't particularly good. Um, we got a lot better after we got Richard Sherman and um, 
the guy who's now Joe Woods. Joe Woods, who is I think the Browns defensive coordinator now. I'm not sure where he actually ended up. Um, but he, we seem to take a big step forward when he came in as DB's coach and we got Richard Sherman. So I do think there is some value in that. You know, you need the you need the rest of the defense to play with you. But I think the fact that he can get seven and a half sacks in that bad a team makes me not too worried about that. I think they're going to be better this year, and I think that's going to I think that's going to help his stats a lot. But we'll see. I don't know. We know nothing about the Jets. This is part of the problem. There are no certainties with the Jets. I don't think anyone's job, by maybe Zach Wilson's, obviously because they just drafted him, is safe in the sense that. I don't think anything's going to be left unturned to try and get him back to something approaching respectability, but I do think he'll show up quite strongly. Um, I've seen a message in the chat saying that uh, Mark wants to play devil's advocate. Well, I know I know he's pretty good at that, so go on, what you got, Mark? Well, he's injured for one. I know that he had foot, I know that he had foot surgery about two weeks ago. Yeah, I was, reading, I was reading that earlier. He had, he's, expected, uh, he's expected to miss eight weeks, which means that he will be fit for the start of the season or there or thereabouts. But he has had some injury concerns. He played 13 games in his rookie season. He played 13 games last year. And when you think he got seven sacks, that's actually really good production for a defensive tackle out of 13 games, which would strengthen your argument, John. But ultimately, it's a rough game in them trenches. You know what I mean? Um, what was a plus for me, Derek Brown, who I think is the better defensive tackle out of the two of them, um, was that he played 16 games. Yeah. Quinn Williams is already getting banged up and he's already missed six games in two seasons. Um, three in his rookie year, three last year. You know, to go back though, when he came out, he came out as a sophomore. Very, very rare that players come out as sophomores these days. Didn't even see his junior season. He was a freshman, a sophomore, had amazing production in his sophomore season. I think he had something like, somebody go back and look at the stats, but I'm pretty sure he had 20 tackles for loss that year. Or it might be 19 and a half tackles for loss. I remember it when I was scouting him. And he had something like eight or nine sacks for Bama. And he was he was unreal that final year. He shot up the draft board, you know what I mean, off the back of that production. 19 and a half, John. Thank you for looking. I remember it was nearly 20 tackles for loss. You know what I mean? He had, he had unbelievable production that year. I think he came in with a lot of pressure, but we were, he's a boy. I have to remember he was a boy when he came in. I don't think we can underestimate just how hard it is for a 20-year-old to play a defensive tackle in the NFL when you're playing fully grown men who are 10 years old you know, on the other side. Um, yeah, if I'm playing devil's advocate, his fitness is going to concern me. He's got a foot injury at the minute. You know, foot injuries... Can be tricky injuries, especially when you're playing in them trenches and you have to twist and move and you're off balance and you have to keep power, you know, as you're getting jarred off the first contact, you know. So it'll be interesting to see how he does come back. I think he will play some part of the season, of course he is. It's not an Achilles or anything like that. Um, it's a foot, it's a broken bone in his foot. But I do think that I might take him a little while to get going this year. I think we might see the better football from Quinn and Williams, maybe post-Thanksgiving, maybe like back in November, December. Because um, I think that foot injuries are quite tricky. Yeah, do you think some of the injury stuff is is part of his body getting used to playing in the NFL, given that he was 20 you know, when he started his career? It, it feels a bit like that to me. It's got to. It's got to be. I mean, you know, like I've said this already, but let's not underestimate just how hard it is for a 20-year-old to come in and match up against grown men. 
You know what I mean? No, you're going to get put on your horse. You're going to get moved off the ball. You're not going to have the joy like you had at Bama that year. You know, you were in the backfield 19 and a half times. Can't expect that from a 20-year-old. That's why it's so unusual to see sophomore defensive linemen come into this NFL. You know what I mean? No, it's, a, it's a man's game. And you're going to learn it at defensive tackle. You need to have some sand in your booty. Um, he's not got the size of like Derek Brown, who I feel more confident about. About 300 pounds, Quinn and Williams. Yeah. Now, Derek Brown's got 20 pounds on him. Mm. Um, I think he could have done, I think he might have done better staying in Bama for another year. But look, he came and he went third. I'm sure his agent was happy. I'm sure he was happy with the check that he got. He still had braces on. I remember on the draft, he had braces in. I was like, that's how much of a kid this is. He's still got braces in his mouth. You know what I mean? Um, they were probably diamond ones, though. But, yeah, I like him. I like him. I just think we'll have to see 16 games from him, um, yeah. which is a big ask this year after the injury. But, look, we're talking about two of the the two bright lights of defensive tackles in the NFL at the minute. You know, if we're talking about the best two young Defensive tackles in the NFL. We're talking about them in Derek Brown and Quinn Williams. I'd be taking Derek Brown if it was me. If I was building a franchise and I was allowed to take one of them, I'm taking Brown. You know what I mean? He might not get the sack production, but he's for me, he's, he's, he's got more of what I want for an NFL DT. Hmm. I think there's a fair argument in there. I think you're right as well. There's, there's always that concern over like, what they call the one season wonder when somebody comes out early because they've had a big year. I think there was an element to that around him at draft time. Um, it's quite surprising he went as high as he did. Uh, but as you say, I'm sure his agent and, his, and himself were, were pretty happy with that one. We'll see, we'll see how he goes. He's got a long career ahead of him, starting so young as well. I think, you know, there's, there's, there's a long time for his career to go yet, as long as he stays at the level he was at last year at the very least. But I think he's, assuming he can get healthy, I think he'll take a big stride forward. Perhaps taking a big stride with his injury isn't such a good idea, but there you go. Right, well, we're finally going to move off the defensive line because we're going to come to Bones next, and he wants to talk about Isaiah Simmons at the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, so this is a divisional rival for me, so so let, let's hear what you've got, uh, Bones. I um, yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about this guy. I've 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 looked out here. I'm not going to have to compare my choice to any of your choices because I went for someone in the secondary rather than everybody else who went defensive line, and now has to argue between themselves who de whose defensive lineman is the best. Um, yeah, but no, I I wanted to talk about Isaiah Simmons. I know he's one of those players that people looked at and went, I oh, didn't actually have the season that was maybe expected of him. He was talked about quite highly in last year's draft. I know my t there was talk of my my personal team, the team I enjoy to watch, taking him at three. Um, I was on that bandwagon as well. I wanted us to take Isaiah Simmons at three over Jeff Okuda, but this is how it ended up, and we're with Okuda, and it's fine, you know. Um, but I, yeah, I wanted to talk about him. And the first point I wanted to bring up about this was, and, and it's something that is across the board. I think last year is. All defensive rookies struggled last year because there was no preseason, there was no OTAs. Like, and I think for for defensive players, secondary defensive linemen, it doesn't matter where on the defensive side of the ball you are playing, not having OTAs and not having preseason games is hard. To come in as a rookie and play, what was it? His first week, his first game was against you, was it not, John? In week one, or in in the first actual game? Yeah, played. it was. Yeah, it yeah. was. 
Yeah. So was. his first snap of professional football was against the 49ers. And in week one of the regular season, not in week one of the preseason, not, yeah. It's, that's hard. That is not an easy, for any player, no matter how good you are touted to be coming out of college, your first snap being an actual regular season game is so much pressure to face. Like, So yeah, I feel for every defensive rookie this year. And I think there's something, I think you can make a case for any defensive rookie this year, from last year, basically having a better year this year than they had last year because it's it was a rough year to come into the league um but back to the, my actual play i think the reason i brought it up is i think it really did affect isaiah Simmons. i think he really struggled through not having that i think you can see it in what areas he he, he suffered in when he came to the professional level like so at college he was he's a really he was a really good hybrid defensive player, which is becoming a more popular like pick amongst teams in recent years. Like hybrid defensive players who can play all over the field and do whatever you want them to do. Like they they're getting popular, and he he at college was really good at that. He could pretty much he, I think he's played more strong safety than linebacker at college. It's more safety, but he just played all over the field basically and can play all over the field. He's got that speed to cover. He runs less than a four four at six foot three and a bit 240 pounds like he's a fast big guy like he's got the speed he's got the power he's like he's a good player like at college you saw um he had great play awareness so you'd see him like just come in like a bolt and like make a tackle where it needed to be made it, you know from the safety position oil he'd read the right play, pass play and he would make the pick but um there was something that i wanted to bring up that mark mentioned earlier that is um I think it was Mark mentioned it, but it was something again about you know how at college at college level you, you can play coverage. It was the linebacker's point that was the one about how line for a linebacker and I guess to safety to an extent, especially when you play box safety, is like bringing the tackling side of your game over is a lot easier than bringing your pass coverage side of the game over from the college level. And I think that's another area where we saw Simmons suffer was he was still a great tackler like for the snaps he played. And this is something else that like, you look at his stats and it's like. Stats aren't that great, but he only played about 300 defensive snaps last year. He played under 30% of the Cardinals' defensive snaps. And in those under 300 snaps, like, there was the, you know, there were the hiccups at the start of the season. And I do think it's rookie hiccups. I think it's rookie mistakes that would have been ironed out with the OTAs in preseason. And over the course of the season, we did see him improve in those areas. We saw, you know, we saw his coverage game improve. He was still making good tackles. We saw his play awareness get better. He wasn't getting beat as easily because... I think the first big play we saw of him was the 76-yard touchdown that he got burned on by Moser, um, or Mostert, or however you pronounce it, I apologise, from the 49ers. And yeah, but like I say, I do think that he he is going to be a good player. He was arguably one of the best just general athletes in last year's draft, um, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And I... Yeah, I think he's got that. He's got the mind for it. You could see it at college level. He had the play awareness. He had the he had the wherewithal to recognize plays when they were when they were happening. And I think once once he's brought that over to the the professional level, once his mind because it is hard again, it is hard to read a professional offense compared to a college level offense. Like you're playing against a lot higher caliber of player, like where. There are some man defenses, like like defense plays, where he's just better than the guy opposite him, and it's clear to everyone to see. But at, at the professional level, that doesn't happen as often. You're not just flat out better than the guy opposite you. 
but yeah, that was that was mo- that's mostly what I wanted to say. I do think he's going to have a much better year this year. I think he's definitely in for a breakout play. I do think one of the biggest problems, though, I did last point to touch on is I think he's more of a safety playing linebacker right now. I think he's he's slightly out of position. I think he should still be playing that strong safety role and can play all over the pit field like. And at some point, if he does get back to that safety role, and you saw it towards the end of last season with the Cardinals, they started playing him in like four different roles. He's a Swiss Army Knife player. And if the, if you can get him back to that, he can play all over the field. He can basically do whatever he wants when he's out there. I think he's going to shine. Uh, yeah, I, I think he's got that ability. That's a good summary. Obviously, I've seen, I've seen Simmons play uh, a couple of times. I find him a really interesting and intriguing player, but there's a couple of couple of points I'm just going to make quickly, and then I'll I'll go over to everybody else. I really like him as a player, but I don't know what his position is, and I think you kind of hit on it there in the sense that he's still kind of a safety, really. Especially, I know there's a tendency now to play this positionless football. You're seeing it on both sides of the ball. I think a large part of that is is the is the division that he's in. Obviously, you look at some of the teams that he's up against, you know, Seahawks, you've got Wilson with his athletic ability. The Rams can move the ball with anybody. We've got people like Kittle who are threatening in the middle of the field. You can see that Arizona are kind of drafting along those lines. You've got guys like Buddha Baker, Zayvon Collins, and him now. Three similar players for me. Baker's probably more of a pure pure safety, but I do think there's the similarities between all three in the sense that I don't really... If you if you put a gun to my head, I couldn't naturally nail down to what those three positions are going to be on that defense. I don't know where they're going to line up in every play. That could be a good thing. Obviously, that's an unpredictability thing. My issue for somebody like Simmons is I think he suffered last year from them not really giving him a defined role. He was kind of moved around a lot, and you know they did. I don't think they really knew what they wanted to do with him. What I did notice, and I think you touched on it as well, is that towards the back end of the year, he started to look a lot more comfortable. And I think that was largely because they said, OK, we know a bit of what we've got here. Let's keep moving him around, but let's make sure he, all, he basically has one responsibility in the game or at least, you know, something to focus on. So I thought he became a really good player towards the end of the season. My, my issue at the moment is there's a lot of players like him on that team. Is he going to get overshadowed? That's my only my only real thing. Um I'd be interested to see what he does. He would have been excellent in your defence, by the way, even under Patricia. I think he would have been fantastic. He's exactly the type of player that, you know, if you're coming from that Patriots background, he's exactly the type of player you'd want on that defence. Um, Jordan, I think you had a point on Isaiah Simmons, so I'll go to you. What what have you got for us? I think um, I think you were, you beat me to the punch, mainly to be honest with you, John. But, yeah, I think... Um, I think you're seeing these linebackers now coming out of college where they like them to be this player where they can put them where they want to, a bit like JLK that came out this year as well. You know, they like to play them where 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 they where they see best on on the defense. You know, at that point, you know. But I like him as as a linebacker. But I like him in in coverage. You know, he, he, and he really just clicked at the back end of last year. And I think obviously playing safety, and um, I think he played a bit of um, cornerback on the inside. I think when you when players play like this, they aware of the become aware of the passing um, game, you know, like against it really well. And then when you put them back in a linebacker, you see the awareness. And I, and I remember it brilliantly because I mean he picked off Russell Wilson at the back end of last year, and it was just the awareness of um, of it just it seemed to know reads the ball well from the, these extra positions. And, and I, I do like him as a linebacker. I think he'll stay. There. I think um, I'm drafting in. Um, 
Saving Collins this year. I think um, it's just that linebacking core. It's, it's so much difference there, and so many different tells. You know, you would, you're not, you're not going to as a as an offense. Sometimes you're probably not going to know what you're going to get from from them, or if they're going to if they're going to come up or pull down with all these different type of linebackers. And but I, I kind of think that Vance Joseph kind of knows what he wants to do with him. But it's always a bonus to be able to throw him into different scenarios as well. On top of that, if, you, if a guy can do more things, you know, quite well, it's, it's just going to benefit your team. Yeah, I think you both made some good points there. Do you think? Um, I do think that I, I think that you mentioned you played a couple of roles. I think it was uh, you played slot. Cor- I think it was slot corner that he was playing, and um, he was playing like a. I think he played a bit of edge rush as well, actually, towards the end of the season. But the that the I do think I know John was saying that he doesn't really have a position, but I think again I do think that's kind of what they drafted him to be was a sort of Swiss Army knife, positionless, like secondary player. So I don't think he ever will have a truly defined position. I think that's where he is going to shine. I don't think he should have a truly defined position on the field. I think. If you were to like, like I asked Mark earlier, if you were to demand a comp from me, I'd say maybe like a Jabril Peppers out of New York, like kind of that's that's closest thing I could see. But I, I don't know. I do, I, do, I just I've, I I like the guy, I really like the guy, and I'm just looking forward to seeing him play. He looks like a phenom. He runs under a four four, and he's huge. Like I don't know. I'm sure um, it would be impossible to play against your football team. <laughs> I was going to jump in quick, sorry, John, and say that I think one thing that we might all agree on, I don't know if it's um, on the right coaching team. I think it would have been better somewhere else. <laughs> they could, you know, after the last yeah. few weeks we mentioned and stuff. So Should have but... been a lion. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be a podcast episode if we didn't shit on Cliff Kingsbury at least once, I guess. Um, no, I, I, it's funny, isn't it, Bones? Most of your players that you've spoken the highest of, Taysom Hill, Brings to mind as well these guys that can just play almost any, any position on the field. I I'm, I'm, I'm a fanboy for positionless football. I'm on this bandwagon <laughs> full. That is, I'm I'm for it, all for it. It's like I said to you. I've said to you a few times. I like RPO football as well. I like like football that can go anywhere. Like and it can just be like it looks like it could be a run, but then it's a pass. I like. I just like that kind of football. That's my that's my jam. Yeah, I think um, I, I think you're right, and I think it's the way the game's going as well. Mark, what have you got on him? Because I feel like he's the sort of player you would actually like quite a bit, but I, I, I've never actually heard your opinion on him as a player, so I'm intrigued to hear this one. I was intrigued to see where he would play when he came into the NFL because he was so good in coverage. And his, to be honest with you, his statistics were really good in coverage in the back, back end last year. I think he was like the eighth or ninth best linebacker in coverage last year, which means that he could, you know, like it, it's what was. I think the player that they envisioned him being is I think he's going to play inside linebacker this year. The sign Zavin Collins, who's, who is a very good pass Russian linebacker. If anyone's going to be blitzing, it's going to be him. But a Baker will drop into the box, as we know, but he is a safety. They've got Chandler Jones on the other side. So I think we're going to see this less moving them around. And I think they're going to put him in an inside linebacker. And um, He's come back 10 pounds heavier this year which would probably give you a sign that they're wanting to play him an inside linebacker, more on the inside. I think what they want him to be is Devin Bush Jr. at the Steelers. I think that's the kind of player they want to see him be. They want to see him use his speed to be a sideline, a sideline, you know, uh, linebacker. 
They want to keep them clean. They don't want them taking on blocks. They don't want them filling in holes. They want to keep them clean so you can run, chase, and hit. And I think that's where we're going to see him make his name this year, at inside linebacker. I don't think we'll see him move around as much as we did. Because if they were going to do that, why go get Zavin Collins, who's another chess piece, another one? And he's a better pass rusher as well than Simmons, in all honesty, like, you know. Um, yeah, I like him. I like him. I was a bit disappointed when he first came in. But I think, like you said, I think that was more so because they didn't know what position they were going to play him. I think he was a lot better at the back end of the season when they went, right, that's okay. We're going to be, you're going to be a linebacker. And there was less putting him in slot. There was less putting him at safety. Ultimately, I think if he's going to have a good season, I think he's going to have to stay at linebacker for the season. But the drafting that they've done will probably mean that. What is it about Arizona Cardinals, though, drafting these really athletic, you know, like linebackers? Hassan Reddick, who we talked about for the Caroline Panthers, was another, but I suppose he was the, the early one who came in, or Dion Buchanan. Do you remember Dion Buchanan? Yeah, Buchanan. Buchanan. Go back even further. They drafted Tyron Matthew, who didn't really have a position coming out as well. Yeah. He was kind yeah. of one of those guys that people said, oh, he can play anywhere. Dion Buchanan was a strong safety, and they played him inside linebacker. And that's what, and he, he was really good. He had a very good career there under Todd Bowles. Um, it hasn't went so well for him since he's went elsewhere. But at, at, at the courts, he had a very good career, Dion Buchanan. I think he was a uh, pro bowl mentioned at one point. He might have been a pro bowl alternative. Mm. I think that's what the one from Isaiah Simmons, the one that quick inside linebacker who you can keep clean and who can match up against a variety of offense that the sea coming from McVeigh and Shanahan in the NFC West. Yeah, it's, it's very much an arms race in that division, isn't it? It feels like, it feels like you know, offenses develop, right, okay, we'll draft players to take it away. I mean, you're seeing it a lot now. With even, the other, even the other team just started to copy that sort of uh, way of doing things now. It's, it's, he's an interesting player. I think if he does go to inside linebacker, it makes a lot of sense. They haven't got anybody at inside linebacker, really. Um, nobody outstanding, at least. If you could make him an outstanding inside linebacker, I think that's a no-brainer for them, and it means they get something out of the first-round pick after after you know a few defensive players have got a bit of rye on them. It would be nice to get one right. I think he's came into camp ten pounds heavier. You know, like why would you ask someone to put on ten pounds if you didn't have if you didn't have the plan to play them more on the inside of the linebacker position? Because you'd yeah. want about two hundred and thirty pounds playing on the up. You know, playing in in safety in those other positions. The fact he's come in at two four two tells me that they're seeing a switch to inside linebacker for this line. Yeah, and you can see the logic why as well. You, you talk about the teams they come up against. They need an athlete there. It, it, may, it opens your options so much more if you've got a linebacker that can cover the field. You're not having to take him out of the game. You know, if you can get a three-down linebacker in this day and age especially, that is that is a huge, huge boost to your defense. Um so, yeah, I, I've seen a decent season for him, but it, it, it will be dependent on the cards and it, it will be dependent on his development in that position as well. But it'll certainly be interesting to watch. the Some of the games last year, um, I think about like Buddha Baker and him, and, um, and now they've got Zervan Collins coming in as well. There were some real battles last season, so I can't wait to see what this season's like. Um, yeah, Make no bones about it. The addition of Zervan Collins will help them. Because in the return of Chandler Jones, because there, if anyone's going to be rushing from the line, from the linebacker spot, 
you know, it's going to be Zayvon Collins. And obviously, you've got Chandler Jones, who's a, who's a, you know, like perennial pass rush specialist. So he's not going to be asked to do any of that pass rush and stuff. What he's going to be doing is he's going to be sitting and waiting and spying and swooping and being sideline to sideline. The key is going to be keeping them clean, keeping blocks off them, which makes that defensive line, those three who are playing in front of them, you know, like that makes their job really important. Can they eat up double teams? Can they keep guards off the second level and off Isaiah Simmons? Yeah, yeah, I think he's. Uh, he's again, I think we've picked four good players tonight. It's just some are coming from further back than others, and I think after his rookie season, that, that it's going to have to be a big step forward from him. I think, but I do think he's got it in him. So. But, I'm going to see him at close quarters, I think, at least twice a year. So it'd be interesting. And so is Jordan, obviously, being a Seahawks fan. So, yeah, I think it'll be. Uh, I think it'll be a player to watch this year. Well, that's basically it. But one thing that we did last week, we um, we ranked what we thought was most likely to go to the Pro Bowl out of the four. Now, I'm I'm struggling with this one. I don't think I, I don't think I can make a, a solid case for any of them without somebody arguing with me. So I'll let someone else go first. Who do we think is the most likely to uh, to Pro Bowl out of these four? Go on, Mark. Let's see you bang the table for Derek Brown. I don't I, I don't think Derek Brown will have the box stats to be able to go to the Pro Bowl. You've got to remember, it's the public who vote for the Pro Bowl, at least have a see on it. And they're going to want to go for the guy who's got eight or nine sacks. If Quinn and Williams plays a full season, and if he gets seven or eight sacks, sacks again this year, I would probably say he's more likely to go to the Pro Bowl than Derek Brown, even though I think Derek Brown consistently affects the game more, just because the way the Pro Bowl is rigged. So I would I would not be putting Derek Brown as the most likely to make the Pro Bowl. I don't think he's ever going to be more than a five or six sack season guy. I think he will have Pro Bowls in him, but I think it might be more like Calais Campbell, you know, like where he's getting the Pro Bowls and the recognition at the end, you know, like when he's 27, 28, 29, as opposed to when he's 23, 24, 25. Mm-hmm. I think that's a reasonable comment. Uh, what about you, Jordan? Who are you banging the table for out of these four? Very yeah, I think um, I think <laughs> I think I agree with you. To be honest with you, John, um, it's hard to make a case for. There's a difference between a breakout season and actually getting to the Pro Bowl, isn't there? But yeah, I probably side with Mark with Kern Williams, um, especially if he can get up to the same amount of sacks or past it. But just 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 to say, my you know, my Gary Shangari, if it does all click for him and stuff, is 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 that he can get into the backfield? We've seen how easy it is. Um, and if he can pick up his sack count, he, he well could be there. You know, you know how many fans Packers have. They'll be on the vaults water constantly. So. <laughs> yeah, and I think one of the things that perhaps hasn't been discussed, he's at the more visible of the four franchises that we've chosen. You know, this is a team that is going to be in the national spotlight because of the whole Aaron Rodgers drama, but also is a you know a fairly regular playoff team. So I think he, if he has a you know, an above average to good year, as you say. I think there'll be a lot of uh, a lot of Packers fans out there rooting for him. What about you, Bonds? Are you going to speak up for your guy, or what, what are we going to do here? I think you touched on an interesting point there. There is um, there is something to be said for the Pro Bowl and people actually watching the team and if the player goes. Because, like, Quinn and Williams could have a great season, but nobody watches the Jets. 
who's voting for him. Like, <laughs> it's the same problem that Stafford's had year after year. If he's been nominated, I don't know. But like, it's just nobody watches the Lions. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's it's hard, isn't it? I I I can make a. I feel like in a way. I can make a case for Isaiah Simmons without really arguing with anybody because it's a completely different position. Um, so, but no, I, I think I think there's definitely a fair shout in in Quentin Williams with the with the stats that you, you've already mentioned that he puts up and everything. Like, yeah, I, I, it's about who's voting for you. It's just I do think Jordan also made a good point about Rashawn Gary. If Rashawn Gary has a good year, considering how many people watch Packers games, like. He's probably a good good fit for a for a Pro Bowl vote. You know, Cardinals <laughs> could be in the camp where it's a bit harder for Simmons to get the vote because they're not as watched. But and there's some good inside. There's some really good inside linebackers out there. So we'll see. We'll see. Simmons is one of those guys, though, that I think if he shows up, we talked about the NFC West being you know potential war ground oh. of the division. If he shows up in those matchups, I think he's gonna. Getting himself some national credibility. Oh, mate, he's, really he's good. He's a great player. We saw sparks of it last year. We saw sparks of him being a great player to watch. The pick on Russell Wilson is a great example. It won the Cardinals that game, like basically, like it set them up for what a game-winning field goal. Like, yeah, I mean, he's got he's the, the sparks are there. He's got he's he's got the he's playing a flashier position, for lack of a better way to explain it. Like defensive line, unless you're getting sacks, isn't the flashiest position. If you're playing in the secondary and you can get picks and you can get, cause you can still get sacks from the secondary. You're not limited to just say, right, it's, I think it's a lot easier to get a pick in the secondary than it is the line. I'm not saying it's impossible, but yeah, you get, you get more of a chance at exciting plays playing in the secondary. Yeah. Good point. Um, very good point. I think it's going to be, I think any of these four in all seriousness could make it, but uh, we're turning it over to you guys, the audience, the, uh, the polls out on Twitter now. We had yeah. a poll on the offensive players last week, as I briefly mentioned at the start. Uh, TJ Hawkinson won, which actually surprised me because I think we talked down his chances on the pod, saying a bit like, well, he plays for a team that not a lot of people necessarily are going to be watching. But I, I do think he's probably the most talented of the four. So, yeah, fair comment for me. A couple of quick things before we sign off. Football is back tonight. It's the, uh, it's the Hall of Fame game, uh, I believe. I want to say it's the Steelers and the Cowboys, but I don't know, and I feel like I should know. It that, is Steelers-Cowboys. I've got that right. Yeah, so Steelers and the Cowboys. Uh, we're glad to see football back, aren't we? It's been a long time, hasn't it? Yes. So, well, there. I didn't want to jump over anybody, but yes. I mean, even if it's only the Hall of Fame game and it's the preseason games and we're not seeing potentially anyone who's actually going to play in the, in the regular season, it's still exciting, isn't it, just to have it back? It's nice to have the game on because I think it's had, had its issues in the last few years. Uh, one with the pitch and obviously last year with, with COVID. Um, you got to see fans back in as well, which I think is, is perhaps the underrated part of the NFL season. I know some teams had, had some fans in, but um, no, yeah, we're going to be seeing a lot more of that this year. A lot of teams planning for full capacity, which uh, means the Seahawks are suddenly becoming invincible at home again. So, so there's that. Um, Another quick thing that Gaz brought up, uh, uh, our man on the socials, um, Philip Rivers has been talking quite openly about potentially coming back to the NFL if the team is in need of a quarterback. Is there any is there any appetite out there for that? Is there any team out there that would take Philip Rivers right now? Fuck no. Fuck no. <laughs> no. 
Just no. The truth of the matter is he got paid 25 million last year. So if he's coming back, you're going to have to pay him big. So there's talk about them going into the Colts. You know what I mean? No. Philip Rivers got paid 25 million last year by the Colts. He's going to want at least close to that. And also Carson Wentz. It just totally negates the Carson Wentz move. Fuck no. Don't go near Rivers' Colts. Just start Jacob Eason. Don't trade for Nick Foles either. Just run the ball as much as you can and give the faith in Jacob Eason until Wentz comes back. Don't. Don't go for Foles. Don't go for Rivers. Don't take backward steps. Don't shackle yourself to bad deals. Just go with Jacob Eason. <laughs> right, okay. So Mark's not in favour then. What about you, Jordan? I think there's more people that believe that Andrew Luck is coming back. And that's just one person, I believe, that believes Andrew Luck is coming back. <laughs> yeah, that well-known sports reporter. Um, uh... <laughs> Ultra weed hater. Yeah, I couldn't remember the what was the uh, what was the name. Was uh, I don't know, but that guy has multiple different usernames every other fucking week. I've seen that ultra weed hater before. The guy's just pure parody bullshit. <laughs> before we go, touching back on the Hall of Fame game, there's enough in this game to be excited about. One, Dwayne Has uh, Haskins is playing. Remember Dwayne Haskins? Uh, yeah. First round quarterback taken by Washington. From Ohio, now at Pittsburgh. We're going to be seeing a more bigger test pit of him. He has, he was a first-round quarterback, boys. He's not far removed from being a first-round quarterback. It'd be interesting to see what, what happens to him in a better culture, I would say, in Pittsburgh. Because let's face it, before Ron Rivera arrived at Washington, it was a bin fire. You know what I mean? And he was immature to start off with. I wonder how he is under Mike Tomlin, who would probably chin any man who stepped out of line. You wouldn't fight Mike Tomlin, would you? You know what I mean? So that I'm interested to see I'm interested to see in Dwayne Haskins, especially with Ben Mofferberg at the tail end of his career, and this is his last season. So there's a there's a legitimate battle there between Rudolph and Haskins on who's going to be the heir apparent to Ben Mofferberger if one of them two is going to be the heir apparent. So I'm looking I'm looking forward to seeing him play today. I'm also looking forward to seeing the Dallas secondary, their depth. They've got fucking no one. So I'm interested to see what they're going to be piecing together at the back end of their, you know, like at their secondary. They've got no talent there. They've got a rookie in Joseph. They've got Diggs who came in last year. I don't think Diggs will play many stats. We'll probably get a good look at Joseph. To say he was hot and cold at Kentucky is probably... It was whether he was switched on or whether you bothered, to be honest with you. So I'm interested to see those two elements. What's Dallas's depth like, especially in the secondary? And what's Dwayne Haskins going to look like? Interesting. So there you go. If you if you thought I've no reason to watch a preseason game, then then there you go. There's a couple of good ones. Um, we don't start preseason for another week, but uh the Treyland's hype train is well and truly in motion, so I'm, I'm quite looking forward to seeing how, how he does in real live action. Do you know, maybe we could do that next week. Maybe we could do a training camp roundup. You know, like we could maybe have a little look at a few players in training camp who have yeah. done well. And we could maybe concentrate five minutes, you know, like on, yeah. on, on a little training camp roundup. Somebody who might make the roster, somebody who might make more of a splash than we anticipated. Maybe somebody who might feel over because of an injury. 
Quality, quality. Oh. Oh. I had a cough there. I don't think you heard that there. I said quality. He's fucking pulled his hamstring already. Who could have? Who could have seen that coming? Quality, <laughs> injured. Kel surprise. I think we could do a full episode of what's happened at the Giants since since training camp began. <laughs> yeah, I'd do a better job keeping weight off than Kelvin Benjamin does. So Joe Judge is actually giving me a tryout for next week. So uh, it just doesn't look good, does it? Kenny, Kenny Galladay has suffered with injuries all his career. He's he's good when fit. Let's not make that mistake. Very good when fit, but it doesn't surprise us he's limped out of training camp already with a hamstring. It's nothing running a few more laps won't solve. That's the best way to fix a hamstring injury. Just make him run a little bit more. So, yeah, um, I, I think we should also do a feature on which NFL coaches would win in a fight as well, because I love your description of Mike Tomlin. So, well, uh, Mike Tomlin yeah. against Brian Flores in the final. Oh. It depends. Are we talking just head coaches or entire coaching staff? Because if we're talking whole coaching staff, Detroit's got it like, in the bag, 100%. You're all dead. Like, <laughs> I definitely uh, wouldn't fancy fighting your head coach. Brian, Brian Flores and Mike Tomlin could take no shit. Like, they're going to take moving on. And Matt Patricia's massive. So, like, he's going to bring, like, the big show effect, try to get him out of the top rope. You know what I mean? Like, he's just fucking huge, and that's just his beard. You know what I mean? So, it's going it's to... This pod's gone all over the place, yeah? Like, hasn't I it, think like, we've, yeah? I think we've lost control now. Which, which, coach, which coach would win in a knife fight? I'm taking Tomlin. Rabel. Rabel. Yeah. Very bold, Very yeah. My money's on MCDC every time. He's going to bite your kneecaps off. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'd love to speak up for Shanahan, but honestly, I think he'd go out in the first round. He doesn't strike me as a fighter, to be honest. Yeah, Gruden's all barking, no bite. He'll just mouth off a bit and get chucked out in about two seconds in, wouldn't he? Just let his mouth run off. He'd be the one who lets his mouth run off and then spends half the fight hiding behind Brian Flores. <laughs> Well, there's a mental image to leave you on. We'll stop before we get ourselves cancelled anyway. But, uh, yeah, thanks for being here once again. I don't actually know what we're going to do next week, so we'll decide on uh, we'll decide on a topic. But uh, I will make it up as we go along. Why the oh, fuck? We'll make it up like we just did, because that was some high-quality content. So uh, we'll, we'll, be back, we'll be back next week. We don't know what day, because it changes every fucking week, but I think it's supposed to be Wednesday. So... Uh, Barring any any circumstances, we'll we'll see you then. Thanks for being here. Goodbye. See you, later, you bastards. Talk. Much love.